MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers. Hey there, and welcome into your Friday edition of the Los Angeles CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari, and the NFL just can't leave well enough alone, can it? It just has to be the star of attention. It's clearly got, like, I was going to say middle child syndrome, but it's not. It's obviously the firstborn. Uh, But it just needs the attention, right? Big trades have to happen. They know this is March. This is my sacred time. This is college basketball time. But that's okay. We miss football, of course. It's so much fun to talk about the NFL and all of the craziness that's been going on from Aaron Rodgers to Kyler Murray to uh, everything. Everything that's been going on. And now today we get more news And it's the Chargers news. So in today's show, first, Khalil Mack traded to the Chargers. We'll talk about it briefly. Then we'll get into the college basketball Pac-12 tournament. Semifinals on Friday, finals on Saturday. USC had more turnovers than a French bakery and still managed to escape a loss to Washington. More on that later. But first things first, we always check out the Los Angeles lines available at Bet River Sportsbook. Let's start with the NBA. Not going to be talking too much about this, and I think it's justified, and I'll tell you why. The Lakers right now, 20-1 to to win the West, 40-1 to to win the championship. They are in action on Friday. Wizards at the Lakers, and the Lakers are laying 4.5. So Lakers minus 4.5, total sitting at 228. This is the same Lakers team that just lost to the Rockets and also has 
their own player being harassed by their fans and being called West Brick instead of Westbrook. He's very upset about it. Just lots of reasons for him to be upset, perhaps. Uh, just the shooting off the top of my head, um, the way he's been looking doing that. But nevertheless, Lakers-Wizards, not like the most exciting game in town for me, at least as far as LA is concerned, even though uh, the UCLA-USC one will be played in Las Vegas. But Lakers minus four and a half. Is this a team you want to lay four and a half with? Not me. Not a Lakers team that just lost to the Rockets in overtime by nine. Pass. Even worse on the schedule coming up for the Lakers on Sunday. Lakers at Suns. Can't wait to break down how that one goes on Monday's show. And the Clippers right now, 30 to 1 to win the West. So interesting line movement here on this future. Clippers were were 50 to 1 to win the West. That's now 30 to 1. Is that moving the needle perhaps because of a Paul George imminent return? I don't know. Clippers also 60 to 1 to win the championship now. They were 100 to 1. Again, these odds were not but 10 days ago. I mean, last week. And now jump drop down from 50 to 1 to 30 to 1 to win the West and from 100 to 1 to 60 to 1 to win the championship. So, if things keep going in their direction, uh, which they haven't been actually the last couple games, which is also why I haven't talked about these teams in this pod. On Friday, Clippers at Hawks. The Clippers are a six-point dog here. Might be some value here. Uh, and total sitting at 229. I'd look to an over in that. Unfortunately, I'm not really sure which Clippers team I'm going to get. Their offense has been looking a bit not good. Is that the best way to say it? The, sh- the ball has not been going in the hoop for them. So until they can get that sorted, not a team that I want to bet on in this moment. There are better games, I think, for action. Unless you're a huge Clippers fan, then yeah, take a flyer on them, plus six. Sunday, also Clippers in action at the Pistons. Let's talk about college basketball. So like I said, Pac-12 semifinals or semifinals. If you saw my poll on Twitter, I was asking people, is it semifinals or is it semifinals? Do you say semi or semi? And it keeps me up at night, guys. It just does. And... I've never gotten a straight answer on it. It's always been 50-50. And right now the poll has over 100 votes and it's 50% versus 50%, semi versus semi. And I don't think there's a wrong way. I've looked it up before. uh, And there's just been different ways, of course, to say it. But it doesn't look like there's an incorrect way necessarily. Anyways, the semi slash semi-finals are going on on Friday in the Pac-12. Arizona versus Colorado. Uh Uh-oh. A team that just beat them recently yes took down the mighty arizona but arizona is still a nine and a half point favorite versus colorado total for this game sitting at 148 and then we get ucla versus usc part three we almost didn't think we were going to live to see this because or at least usc wasn't because things looked a bit dicey for them in their game versus washington Shout out to Washington as a UCLA fan. I'm really grateful that you made USC play a full 40 minutes, just like Stanford made Arizona play a full 40 minutes. And Arizona also might be down one of their key players. So we'll have to talk about all of that. Uh, No lineup just yet for UCLA-USC at Bat Rivers, but it did open in the market with UCLA as a five and a half point favorite. And the total sitting at 136 and a half, which is very interesting because if I remember correctly, UCLA was a seven, seven and a half point favorite versus USC when they were at home and won on March 5th, I believe was a Saturday. That was our last regular season game. What a fun one. And the time before that, UCLA was a one and a half point favorite. So we're kind of splitting the difference here. We have a neutral site and UCLA a five and a half point favorite. 
against USC. Winner advances uh, to the championship and will face either Arizona or Colorado. So, lots of interesting things to talk about. You can find all these odds at Bet River Sportsbook. Let's get into some Cleo Mack news. Cleo Mack to the Chargers. I did not see this one coming, but I'm so grateful because the Chargers, what did we talk about a lot last season? I feel like I haven't talked about NFL in, in quite some time now, but the Chargers defense, right? Over and over again, this was a, a recurring issue for the Chargers, and it was unfortunate because it was so fun to watch Justin Herbert, and if they just had some semblance of consistent defense, you'd like to believe that they could have gone farther uh, than they did. And now, here they are shoring that up, they're set to acquire three-time pro or all-pro edge rusher Khalil Mack from the Chicago Bears. So the deal, of course, being contingent on him passing the physical. And it can't be official until the, until the new league year begins on at 1 p.m. on Wednesday, that specific time. Nevertheless, Chargers have agreed to this. They're sending the Bears a second-round draft pick this year and a sixth-rounder in 2023. Period. That's it. That's all they're sending. And consensus on the Bluebird app, couldn't they have gotten a little bit more? And I get it because he's been injured. We'll talk about it. Let's take a little stroll down memory lane, if you will. 2018, heyday, <laughs> Mac finished with 12 and a half sacks, and he earned his most recent All-Pro recognition. Not to mention he finished runner-up to Aaron Donald as the top defender in the league. Remember that? Remember those days? Uh, and yeah, I get it. What's been going on lately? He was limited to six sacks in seven games last season and then underwent season-ending foot surgery in November. His pass rush win rate has dropped. We started in 2017 here. It was around 21%. Dropped down to 17.5% in 2020 and then now down to 12.9% the past season. So it's understandable to have the question of how healthy, how impactful can this old guy be? I love when people call him old. Psst, he's 31. He's 31. Um, and he's got a lot left in him, I believe. Not to mention, of course, we have to mention, Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack together. Let's talk about that. Over the last five seasons, Mack and Bosa both rank in the top four in total defensive pressures. That's according to ESPN Stats and Info. Mack with 221 and Bosa with 207. That's, again, with Mack not playing that much over the last five seasons. Uh, plus... Joey Bosa's 47 and a half sacks since 2017 are tied for sixth in the NFL and are actually one more than Max, which is 46 and a half and ranks 10th most. Oh, and they both have 12 strip sacks each over the last five seasons, which is tied for sixth most in that time frame. Just to give you a point of reference. Too long, didn't read. These are really good defensive ends. And now they're playing together and one is a little bit more seasoned than the other. Uh, good on the Chargers to get this. And again, didn't cost them too much here. Plus, little side bonus note, I wonder if this was an incentive for him at all. He'll get to face the Raiders twice a season, his former team, who made him the number four overall pick in 2014 and then decided not to pay him uh, what he wanted and sent him packing for the Bears. Speaking of sending people packing, let's talk about some conference tournaments to talk about. I'm really excited about this for the Chargers. They were a really fun team to watch, mostly because of Justin Herbert um, and Brandon Staley. Shout out to Brandon Staley as well. So good on the Chargers for making some good moves. But yes, let's talk about sending people packing. Let's talk about conference tournaments next on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Looking for a hot tip to bet on? Check out the new match tips at Bet River Sportsbook. 
The new tips feature gives you special insights on player props and match bets for the top tips of the day. Go to BetRivers before the game, find your match, and tap the tips icon to see independent research on recent team and player performance. Bet with confidence. Visit the BetRivers mobile app or go to BetRivers.com and get the top tips of the day. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Playable only in states where BetRivers is licensed and in New Jersey at Play Sugar House. Welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Still Danielle Avari, still here and still so excited to talk about the Pac-12. In case you missed it, let's catch you up. Pac-12 tournament, day one, Wednesday, round one. Arizona State versus Stanford. Arizona State favored by three and a half. They're up, with, uh, they're up by 14 with three minutes to go. Everything's looking great. I happen to have Arizona minus three and a half. And uh, it's looking pretty good. No, they absolutely collapsed. Stanford wins by one with the upset. And it's funny because when we had Mike Yam on the show on Wednesday to talk about these and preview these, the first thing I said was, I don't know what to make of this game because Stanford is a little bit tricky, right? They swept USC during the season, but they haven't been a very good team elsewhere. They haven't won the games that they need to win, but they get up for big games. Now, I didn't think of Arizona State as a big game for them, but it's the Pac-12 tournament. So they got up, they showed out, and they won by one. Next game, Oregon State versus Oregon. Not the Civil War, but whatever you want to call it now. And Oregon State. Mine, or plus 10 and a half here versus Oregon. And I'm thinking, I don't want to lay 10 and a half against Oregon State. Can Oregon do that? Absolutely they can. But Oregon State is my favorite word to use for a team. They are scrappy, right? So I'm thinking they're going to kind of hang in this. And they did for a lot of this game. But they finally kind of lose it at the end. And they end up losing by 14 in the final 30 seconds. One last little bucket goes in by Oregon, meaningless bucket. And Oregon State gets the ball back for one last shot attempt. They go with a three-pointer. It doesn't go in. No big deal. They lose by 14. Oregon covers. Well, I grabbed Oregon State plus 12 and a half live. That was the best number I could get on them at one point, 12 and a half. Uh, it was in the first half. And I didn't see anything better than 12 and a half later, so at least that made me feel better. It's not like it went up to like 16 or anything crazy. But yeah, they lose by 14. They were covering. They were covering. Mm-hmm. Because they were down by 12. And then Oregon, meaningless bucket, up by 14. And just crushed my dreams. So that was a rough start. Then we go into Cal versus Washington State. If you remember, if you listened to the pod, if you didn't, I liked Washington State here a lot because Cal was just kind of an... I'm. This is a nothing team this year. Nothing special on the offensive or defensive side. No real fight in them. Uh, no super reliable veteran players necessarily. But lo and behold, Cal is down by 10 at the end. Washington State's been covering this like the whole time, like the whole game. I'm thinking, yes, finally, the first two were so brutal for me. This is going to go great. And uh, down 10, Cal makes a three-pointer unnecessary with five seconds left. With five seconds left. They're up by 10. Minus eight's my number. They make a three. I thought even if they lay a bucket in, we're still good. It's a push. Worst case scenario. No, they make a three. Five seconds left. They cover the plus eight. And these lines are sharp. Let me tell you, people. Finally, we got to Washington versus Utah to wrap up Wednesday. And Washington was a one-point favorite here. This was the game I liked the best. So I did double units on this. Thank goodness. Because Washington goes on to win by 12, 82 to 70. 
16 turnovers for Utah. Washington is great at forcing those turnovers, or at least they were more on that in a moment uh, because they did end up losing to USC the next day. Let's get into that. Day two here, Thursday, quarterfinals. Arizona-Stanford. Now, everyone thinks Stanford's going to get blown out by Arizona, and understandably so, but remember, they're tricky. They're tricky little, uh, what are they, trees? They're tricky little trees, <laughs> the cardinal. And it's interesting because Stanford made this close. Arizona was a 15-point favorite, and Stanford only lost by four. They're sneaky. They're veteran. They actually have a high basketball IQ as far as the team is concerned. High IQ in general. Let's just say that. They're Stanford students, right? They had to get into this school. And yes, playing basketball helps, but it's still, at the end of the day, it's Stanford. They shot 54.2%. Like, what more do you want from them? But Arizona still able to finish this off. They just got a couple more shots up. And Stanford just, like, not the talent. The fact that they made this within four is is just a great testament to the Stanford team. At least they finished in a way that they could be proud of. But some bad news for the Wildcats. Point guard Kerr Krissa sprained his right ankle in the final minute. Brutal. Brutal to see that happen in that final moment. Because we talk about this too. I mentioned this earlier. It's I'm grateful as somebody who wants UCLA to win the Pac-12 tournament uh, that Stanford made Arizona play the full 40 minutes as I'm grateful that Washington made USC play the full 40 minutes and just really didn't make it easy on them. But how brutal. Final minute. Kerr Krista. He had 10 points, 5 assists, and 2 steals. Uh, but unfortunately, he was unable to put any weight on his ankle after leaving the court. And after the game, he was placed in a wheelchair. There was a picture of him after that he tweeted out in a wheelchair outside the team bus. I think it said something like, watch us win it all, which like, great, but not with you probably, unfortunately. And that's really sad, right? Fortunately, we have kind of a veteran player to step in for him. Six-year senior Justin Kerr. Kier? Kerr? Is this the same thing? Kerr Krista versus Justin Kerr? This is a lot of curring. Uh... Nevertheless, I concur that this is going to be great for Arizona to have at least a veteran guy kind of step in. He's done this before one other time when Kerr was apparently like messing around before practice sometime in January or before a game kind of got hurt. Justin stepped in, did a nice job. And then also he played on, I think he got the start on senior night and they looked okay. I'm not sure who that was against though. So TBD. Nevertheless, not a good, not a good sign for Arizona to be losing their point guard. Oregon also played Oregon versus Colorado. Oregon was a one-point favorite here, and I didn't know which way to go with this game. I thought it was going to be very close, but then I thought Colorado is the better team here, and Dana Altman's magic can only last for so long. I hate betting against Dana, but which is also a silly thing. I know for some people in sports betting world, they would say, well, you're just, I'm not going to bet against this person. There are just certain coaches that you should give pause, and Dana Altman is one of them. That said, Colorado plus one seemed too easy. I think the fact that this line was like basically a toss-up is what threw me off. I think if you hadn't shown me this line and I had just guessed, hey, who's favored here? I would say, oh, Colorado by a couple points. But they were only favored, they, but they were an underdog here, plus one. And I just thought, what is going on? Why is that? And then I look back and I see that they split the series during the season. One was high scoring, one was low scoring. So I get why there was a little bit of confusion what you were actually going to see. And the way that both teams kind of finished the seasons even would leave you a little bit maybe confused. But nevertheless, Colorado was up by six at the half. I think it was 36-30. They went on to win 80-69. to And they cover. So this is one of those ones I think I was a little, what do they call it, tilted? I don't know. I didn't play poker. Um, but 
they use it for betting sometimes too, obviously about how the day before went, right? I went one and three and the three that I lost were just so, uh, like just so annoying because I was like, man, I really thought I nailed that, that handicap. Um, and it's funny because working in sports betting, I find that I care more about was the information good? Was the handicap good? Um, then if the bet hits and I'm sorry if that upset you, cause I know the point is to win the money. I absolutely get that. But for me, really want the research and everything to, to work. And I really still felt confident about what I set up. It just, it's March, man. It happens. Sometimes meaningless buckets happen at the end. These are college kids. That said, I didn't want to bet this Oregon Colorado game because it like felt like a trap almost. I was like, wait a minute, why are they underdogs? And what? Like, anyways, they go on to win by 12 and I'm like, or 11. And I'm here wondering why didn't I bet this game? This is a no brainer. So that's a perfect example of how the psychology of betting sleeps in to what you do. Um, but scared money don't make money. So that's on me. That said, Colorado advancing to the semi or semifinals, whichever you prefer for the third time in four seasons. And they now have to face top seeded and second ranked in the nation, Arizona for a second time, uh, this season after when it will actually had to be the third time for them. Uh, but they beat them not, but what less than two weeks ago, February 26th. Colorado beat them when they were at home 79 to 63. So this is the Arizona revenge game. All right. You better believe they're going to be up for this one. And it's unfortunate, like I said, because they could be missing their starting point guard here. All, all signs point to that. Of course, check on that before you make any bets, but wheelchair. I don't know. I don't think Kurt, we're going to see Kurt Chris, especially not with such a tight turnaround. That's kind of what Tommy Lloyd was alluding to, but he also said he hadn't talked to his trainer yet at the time. Uh, yeah, Arizona, Colorado. This is playing out pretty similar to kind of how I thought. The one wild card to me was actually Washington, uh, making it where it has, making it close with USC, I guess. I thought that was going to be a walk in the park, and I was actually jealous that USC got to play Washington while UCLA had to play Washington State because I thought Washington State was a little bit more competitive. Uh, UCLA made this game look easy. So Washington State versus UCLA on Thursday night. UCLA an 8.5-point favorite. Total sitting at 132.5. UCLA wins and covers final score 75-65. The over hits. Uh, this is something that's interesting, kind of trending for UCLA. I talked about this a little bit on another show on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, about how I used to bet UCLA unders no problem, especially if they were in the 140 range. Because UCLA's defense was so stout, but their offense was just not up to par yet. Their offense was late to the party this season. And part of that goes hand in hand with the fact that they never really had everybody healthy for any of these games until just these last two. And even still, Johnny Chuzang doesn't look like himself 100%. People I know remember the lore, the folklore of Johnny Juzang last March. He's not been looking like that Johnny Juzang lately, whether it's injuries or just kind of out of rep practice or just confidence, whatever it might be. It's not been the same Johnny Juzang. That said, the other Bruins have kind of picked up the slack. They found a way to make this offense go. And there's been such great results from it to the point now where I haven't been able to bet unders on this game. You see something like 132 and a half. And I wanted to bet the over on this game. I was nervous that UCLA was really going to shut Washington State down. And then, you know, they would have trouble maybe scoring. But UCLA's offense has really, really turned the corner in these last three, four weeks. And now it's it's not really a team I can bet unders on because they are going to show up on both sides of the ball. It's great to see. It's great to see. Uh, just notes on this game for them though. UCLA 
two fouls early for Tiger Campbell. That was unfortunate. Of course, he got benched for quite a while, but it was okay, like I said, because this UCLA team has enough depth to kind of put up with that kind of thing, which is really unique, I think. Also, started off allowing three offensive rebounds in the first four minutes. What is going on? Well, Cody Riley started, by the way, not Miles Johnson. There's a little bit of contention on this amongst the Bruin community. A lot of people love seeing Miles start. He's been incredible uh, at blocking, at rebounding. He's maybe not the offensive presence that you would say Cody Riley is, is maybe what Mick Cronin would say. I think I've heard him say that. Cody Riley's their more reliable scorer. But Miles, the blocking, the defense, the rebounds, and the free throw shooting. Can we talk about Miles' free throw shooting? It's been impeccable. So uh, they, they start off. They allow three offensive rebounds in the first four minutes, and then just one offensive rebound they allow in the remaining 16 minutes of the half. That's a great adjustment. That's another thing to look out for for a good March team is you're able to make those in-game adjustments like that and not just get so off-kilter right off the bat. UCLA finished the half on a 19-7 and run. It was beautiful. It's nice to see them finally starting to finish in transition. This offense has finally kind of started to get some legs under itself. And as Bill Walton said, the Bruins have endless weapons, which I really enjoyed. Uh finally looking mostly healthy for really the first part of the season. They talked to Jaime Hawkins Jr. about that after the game. They had him on the desk at Pac-12 Network, or not at Pac-12 Network, but Pac-12 Network had him at their desk after the game, and they kind of talked about how the team has been struggling with those injuries and how it feels to to kind of have everybody back in the mix. Uh, big, big game for Jaime Hawkins Jr. While we're talking about it, Triple J, that was the one thing I bet on this game. I thought eight and a half was a little too much to lay, so I didn't want to do that. I thought if there was anything, I would maybe lay Washington plus eight and a half. But I also said uh, on a phone call with my father, which you know can be dicey if you heard the last podcast. Sometimes you have to fade rich because love him dearly, brilliant basketball mind. But for whatever reason, whenever we talk about a bet, it doesn't cash. <laughs> so I'm on the phone with my dad and I'm saying, hey, you know, I don't want to lay eight and a half with UCLA, but they should win this by 10. And they did. They won by 10. So I'm going to give myself a little pat on the back for that. Um, even though I didn't bet it. So, you know, I'm one of those participation trophy persons, I guess, in that moment. <laughs> Nevertheless, UCLA did cover that eight and a half. It was too much to lay. So instead, I looked at the prop market, which I don't get to do very often, but I found a Jaime Hawkins Jr. points prop. It was 14 and a half. I grabbed the over at minus 118. Not terrible juice. I don't really want to bet anything much over minus 120. Sometimes minus 130, but yeah, it gets less interesting for me at that point, just depending on how much I love the prop. But it cashed with like 11 minutes to go in the in the second half, which was so nice. Why did nobody tell me about this prop thing? If your prop hits, you get to chill the rest of the game. This is, I mean, marvelous. Why don't I bet these all the time? Hawkins Jr. finished with 23 points. It's his fourth straight game that he's had 17 or more points. He had 17 points in the second half tonight. Or Thursday night, if you're listening on Friday. It was his fifth double-double of the season. And get this stat. He's had 80 total points in his last three games. This is just also pretty, I mean, a beautiful surprise, a wonderful surprise, but surprising because we know he was battling with these ankle injuries all season long. And now all of a sudden it's like, I think I actually read a quote from him that said something like, it feels like the pain has like either disappeared or dissipated from his ankles and he hopes that it stays that way. And I thought, just disappeared? What, like, you guys have been doing some serious therapy over there or maybe just 
he was really being cautious with it. I don't know. I saw this guy playing, and even when his offense wasn't really going for him or his, his angles probably weren't feeling great, he was still going 110 miles per hour on defense. So I was, like, co constantly scared for this guy's ankles. But all of a sudden, like, such a quick turnaround. Just, like, instant. All of a sudden, 80 total points in his last three. So over 14 and a half was, was real fun. I wasn't sure if, you know, they were going to get up early, which they did. Uh, I think they were up by 15 at the half and just kind of hopefully get to kind of rest their guys and coast. So that would be one thing I was cautious about. Like, oh man, but 14 and a half sounded very doable for him and he finished with 23. So that worked out. 19 points from Jules Bernard. He was coming in hot early and I thought, oh, it's a Jules Bernard game. And isn't that so fun that UCLA has all these offensive options or uh, just endless amounts of weapons as Bill, <laughs> Bill Walton would say. Really good showing for UCLA. The bad, though, the not so good, this was actually a really high-scoring UCLA game in some ways. Um, like I said, second-half defense, not as locked down as you'd like to see. This was not a perfect execution game. The, the one time I would say that UCLA just chef's kiss, beautiful, was when they hosted Arizona at Poly Pavilion in mid-February, I believe. Maybe that was January. And they just played almost a perfect game, right? You can't play a perfect game, but really just executed the game plan perfectly and just threw Arizona completely off and gave them their first loss, right? Uh, or not first loss of the season, but first conference loss. And since then, I haven't seen that exact thing. They got in a really good rhythm after that, but that game was just absolute beauty. This was also like one of the easier games in the Pac-12 we've seen so far. I mean, I recapped what happened on day one and what's happened on Thursday. And now we're heading into the semifinals on Friday, but, oh, I guess it's semi, because that's that's what I went with there offhand. But now, I mean, UCLA, yeah. It, I mean, they're just finally kind of getting into this, this good rhythm, I guess is my point, to sum it all up. Healthy, looking good, thriving, uh, but the defense can't come at a, at a cost. And I think that part of that has to do with Again, being healthy for one, maybe two games so far and needing to get the rhythm of what's the starting lineup going to be? What's it going to look like? Is it going to be Cody Riley or is it going to be Miles Johnson? Peyton Watson, great defensive addition. And Jalen Clark, so, so important on the defensive side as well. So um, UCLA, luckily, a lot of great pieces for them to work with. Washington State, you have to admit, though, they didn't shoot well from three, like at all. But they did force some turnovers, which was uncharacteristic of UCLA. And I think that that was a credit to Washington State more than UCLA just giving it away. I'm um, a really hard-fought team and best record for them in like a long time. So not an embarrassing end for them at all. And speaking of embarrassing finishes, let's talk about Washington versus USC. USC, a 8.5-point favorite. Total sitting at uh, 132.5 for this. Uh, that doesn't sound right. This must, no, this was like 141. That's better. That was the UCLA total. Um, but yeah, USC squeaks this out really barely. Wins it 65 to 61. The under uh, hits in this one for sure. But Washington covers. Uh, luckily, I only had USC in a money line parlay, which I thought every time, mm, every time I put this USC team in a money line parlay, they give me they give me stress. They give me flack. Like, what is the deal? Like, I've only put them in when they're really supposed to win. 
and they make it a mess. And the other teams I had in it was UCLA and Colorado State. Colorado State, it was a one-point game back and forth with Utah State up until the end. I couldn't even watch it. I just kind of had it like, gosh, I'll just check at the end. And I think they won by two, maybe. Uh, so that was also unnecessarily stressful in my opinion. But UCLA, cruise control, that was great. Let's talk about what happened here with USC. At the half, Washington was up 39-36, to which... I'm really glad I didn't make the other bet I was going to make on USC, which was going to be USC minus three and a half in the first half, because it should have been. That's how it should have been heading into the half. But no, they were down by three. Terrell Brown Jr. for Washington, 21 points, eight of 13 in the first half. You thought Johnny Juzang's, or excuse me, Jaime Hawkins, too many J's. Jaime Hawkins Jr.'s 17 points in the second half was great. How about 21 points in the first half for Terrell Brown Jr.? Incredible. Huskies also in the first half, 11 of 11 from the free throw line. That's how you do it. Yes, that's the kind of stuff I want to bet on as we head into deeper and deeper into March. USC, to their credit, shooting well, 48.4% at the half, but six turnovers. And Washington was not turning the ball over. And what they do well is is create turnovers. That's like what they would hang their hat on. That's something this team does really well. And they did it so well that the Trojans had 23 total turnovers by the end of this game. Including a very critical one. I mean, pick one, but a very critical one in the final moments. Washington had opportunity after opportunity in the end to win this i mean i think there was a point at one point they went like oh and at least 10 from shooting um for a really long stretch and so their offense just hollow just nothing there and they weren't able to capitalize on these great turnovers that they created so if you get these second chance points opportunities you have to actually you know score the second chance points i mean it just wasn't falling for them usc's offense just couldn't really get in a rhythm. Like I said, they shot okay, um, but it looked janky. It was janky to watch. And they had five turnovers in three minutes at one point. It was just, ugh. There was a point when they had no shots in a three-minute span. Two points in a six-minute span. Like, it was really, really just janky to watch. Final moments, offensive foul on Drew Peterson with 27 and a half seconds left. That sets Washington up for an opportunity. Then there's Isaiah Mobley, knocks it out of bounds with even less time left. Huskies cannot capitalize on those things. And unfortunately for the Huskies, uh, they lose the game by four. But they do cover. So that's something. USC advances to the semifinals on Friday. Two games. Colorado versus Arizona and UCLA versus USC. Part three. So... Arizona, nine and a half point favorite versus Colorado. I believe this opened at 10, and I know it did because I grabbed Colorado plus 10 when I could. Uh, I grabbed that as soon as I saw it available on Thursday, but I'm even a little sketched out with that because this, again, is the Arizona revenge game. Arizona's going to be mad about the time that they got beat, and I had to look at what happened in that game and how Colorado was able to beat them 79 to 63. Yeah, uh, not even close. Arizona in that game. 13 turnovers, okay? Colorado not even close. And then the Buffaloes also got 16 more shots up. They shot, I think, a little bit better or just about the same, but they just had 16 more opportunities that they created for themselves, and part of that was from nine steals. Nine steals for the Buffaloes versus Arizona that time. Um, Arizona just not looking like themselves at all, not looking like this dominant team, this team that's plus 650 to win it all in March. 
uh, and they lose to this Colorado team. But Colorado, credit to them. I talked about how they were kind of the dark horse pick for me heading into this Pac-12 tournament. I believe you could find them as as long as 40 to 1. I believe Bet Rivers maybe 28 to 1. But they were my my long shot in this. And you can see why. And we're kind of setting up the situation that I was talking about, right? Colorado versus Arizona and UCLA versus USC. That's kind of what we expected to see, these top four teams. And we didn't even really talk about any other teams sneaking in. We talked about who would be, you know, slide in maybe. And I know Greg Peterson talked about ASU. Nope, bounced in the first round of Stanford. I definitely didn't think Stanford was going to hang in there with Arizona. But now Colorado, Arizona, and UCLA, USC, what are the combinations here? Colorado wins and has to face USC. Mm, USC should win that. Colorado wins and has to face UCLA. UCLA should win that, right? Arizona wins and has to face USC. Arizona's going to win that game. They just absolutely are. The way USC has been playing, no no chance. Arizona plays UCLA. If UCLA can figure out how to play them the way they did at Poly Pavilion that day and just really mess up their whole situation then yeah, then this gets done. Um, I would love to see a UCLA-Arizona final, right? But first we get to see the semifinals. We'll just talk about these really quick. Like I said, I have Colorado plus 10 versus Arizona on Friday. I thought that was worth a flyer because Colorado has beat this team before. Um, they found a way to disrupt them. Arizona is going to do everything in their power to not allow that to happen again. But if Colorado can keep this close, and again, Arizona probably definitely, probably definitely, I shouldn't say definitely yet, Missing point guard Kerr Krissa, how's that going to affect them? You know? Total for this one, 148. Really, really high. But not something I'd want to look at an under four necessarily because this could be just like a rock fight. UCLA-USC. 8.30 p.m. Pacific time for this one. The last two times, so they faced each other twice this season. They split the games. They both won at home. So USC first time out at the Galen Center. They won by three, 67 to 64. UCLA shot... 30% in that game and still kept this within three testament to their defense. Also, uh, you could say that UCLA wasn't shooting well because of USC's defense at the time. I could say that now as things have unfolded, UCLA was very unhealthy. I think Johnny Juzang left in the first half of that game. Tiger Campbell was their highest scorer with 27 points. That was also the game that drew Peterson went off and scored 27 for USC, um, had an incredible shooting night, especially from the perimeter and UCLA has to rely on Tiger Campbell to do all of their heavy lifting. The next closest person to him in points was Johnny Juzang, which was like 12 points less than him. Um, and Jaime Hawkes, not at 100%. So UCLA really depleted, but also asterisk, USC didn't have their best player. They didn't have Isaiah Mobley for this one. So that's why you're seeing a lower score, right? Credit to UCLA's defense, but also UCLA not very healthy and USC missing their leader in pretty much every category, rebounds, points, you name it. So 67-64. That said, I don't think we see another low-scoring game like that here. Final game for them, March 5th, Saturday, UCLA at Poly Pavilion. They win 75-68. to They get to finish second in the Pac-12 heading into this tournament. Obviously, both teams getting a week off heading into this. Uh, and then, of course, both playing on Thursday. USC actually shot better than the Bruins again in this one. Not by a lot, but they shot a little bit better. But... UCLA had seven steals, USC had zero, and UCLA had one turnover the entire game, USC had 15. UCLA also beat them on the boards, and they had double the offensive rebounds. Thank you, Miles Johnson. 
This, this to me is a no-brainer that it's UCLA. Now, what's hard is, like I said, UCLA is what? A five-and-a-half, six-point favorite? I'm sure people are jumping all over this UCLA five-and-a-half. Um, and it makes sense to, to do it. I completely understand. It's probably already bet up to six. I'm interested to see how high it gets. And then total opened with UCLA, USC, 136-and-a-half. I think we see this go over 136 and a half. I mean, UCLA versus Washington state went over 132 and a half and USC is a better offensive team than Washington state is. They're not a better defensive team. If anything, this points to an over for me, but again, it's a semifinal neutral territory rivalry game championship game on the line here. Maybe they keep it tight. Maybe they do play it really close to the best. Maybe it's low scoring. But USC's best option is to push the pace of this. UCLA's best, obviously, to slow it down a little bit. But also the way UCLA's offense has been playing, they can afford to, like, kind of run with the big dogs, if you will. That said, yeah, it's UCLA minus five and a half for me. I don't know if this is even going to be available when you're listening to this podcast. Um, but, man, UCLA won by seven last game. Five and a half's right about there. It's right about there. I'll probably look for something more fun for me to bet. I would bet UCLA minus five and a half, but I don't know if I want to live through that. You know, it's going to be, it's, it's, it's at the end of the day, it is a rivalry game. UCLA should win this by, let me try to do this again. I said they should beat Washington by 10 and they did. Maybe I can make it happen again. UCLA should beat USC, especially if they look the way they did yesterday with all those turnovers by six they should win by six that's about what I, that's the line right that wasn't exciting uh so it's tight it's tight for me i hope that you beats them by a lot more but you never know you never know thankfully usc had to play real hard for 40 minutes ucla was ahead that entire washington state game no no peril I don't know. I think we see an over. I know these. that's the other thing is these teams are playing on back-to-back -back days, and obviously they want to not save a little something for the championship game, but kind of, right? But yeah, I think, I think possibly I'll look to an over and maybe another prop. What's tough is this UCLA team is like points by committee. Like I said, Jules Bernard went off, and I didn't necessarily see that happening. So on any given night, you kind of have to guess. I almost bet Tiger Campbell over his points prop. I don't know if he actually ended up going over it. I think it was 11 and a half. And he, again, had those two fouls early. So he sat a lot of the first half. But he still finished with two. Yeah. So <laughs> as you can see, uh, it could have easily gone bad. But instead, I went with the player who's been surging, Jaime Hawkins Jr. Maybe there's a play there again. Um, or maybe even... I don't want to look at rebounds because it's going to be contested. But yeah. It'll be interesting. Uh, that said, thank you so much for listening to the Los Angeles City Cast. Remember, new shows three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I will be back for more fun and games on Monday. We'll have a new Pac-12 champion, and we're just getting into the good stuff in March. Uh, so come on back for more of the Los Angeles City Cast presented by Bet River Sports.